Hello, this is Archbishop William Laurie of Baltimore, and you are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. Catholic Baltimore is a weekly radio program hosted by the Archdiocese of Baltimore, airing each Sunday following the broadcast of the Radio Mass of Baltimore. We are grateful to our Catholic radio partners for sharing with us some of the contents in this program and for the opportunity to bring quality Catholic programming to the Archdiocese of Baltimore every Sunday. This is Sean Kane, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. We are here today with Joan Denton, the author of an article called The Work of Your Fingers, which appeared in America magazine on July the 22nd. Joan has advanced degrees in both science and theology and a master's and doctorate in science biology and has authored or co-authored more than 100 scientific articles or reports. More recently, she received a master's in theology from the Jesuit School of Theology in Berkeley. Joan, thanks for joining us today uh, all the way from California. Yes, thank you very much for having me. So as I mentioned, you wrote a wonderful article called The Work of Your Fingers for America, which prompted me to, to reach out to you. In the article, you make uh, a case that the authors of the Bible were amazingly accurate in their predictions about some aspects of creation, and that key verses from the, the Bible can help us uh, m- maybe understand the creation of the universe. Before we get into some of the examples that you cite, as well as some others that aren't included in the article, uh, this is something you've studied and given some thought to for some time, isn't it? Yes, you know, I've actually thought about it for many years, sort of silently thought about it, silently observed patterns, and never really, really thought about writing it down until I was getting my master's of uh, theology at, at the Jesuit school. So, yeah, it's something that has just actually come to me over the years, something I didn't actively, actively go after, but, some, but a pattern that I've observed, and finally was fortunate enough to be able to to write it down. And how did you uh, become interested in this school of thought? Well, I'm a lifelong Catholic, and my family and myself are daily communicants. And so over the years, that's sort of where I started, where over the years, of course, I sat and listened to many times the, you know, the readings from the gospel. And so I was very familiar with that through my practice of being a Catholic and reading the Bible. But I'm also a scientist, and that is what my field of study was, and that's what I spent my career life doing, was being a scientist. But I was educated in a very secular environment, so I never talked about my religion or my faith or my theology or these things that occurred to me out in the open, because I felt intimidated that as a scientist, if you actually expressed especially with this Galileo, um, Galileo controversy, if you express any kind of validity of the Bible and science, you were, I would be very much looked down upon. So anyway, I kind of, kind of thought about it for, for many years and um, listened to these verses, and then I became more and more aware that there was a pattern that I had never seen anybody else express about science and the Bible. So... That's kind of the, the history of my interest in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And most of us as Catholics and, and likely as people of faith have been taught that there's, uh, you know, the, the biblical version of creation, and then there's science's version, and, and never right. the two shall meet. Is, right. Isn't this the case? 
Well, I don't, I don't think so. You see, I have seen articles of other people who have been written, that have been written about just the first phrase of Genesis, in the beginning. So what does that mean? Well, that means that there was a beginning. The Bible is saying there's a beginning, and it wasn't until the last century that science actually endorsed what we know as the Big Bang Theory. That is, that at T equals zero, there was a beginning to the universe as we know it. So I had seen that, but I hadn't seen any other connections between aspects of creation that I had observed this, in this quiet manner. Mm-hmm. So let's use that as a, a segue into your first example. You you mentioned it's, it's called the Big Bang Theory. It's one aspect of evolution of the universe. Um, tell us about your observations related to this and, and, and kind of what you went into in, in the article in terms of the first example. Okay. Well, I used Genesis 1... Uh, Genesis 1 through 5, the first verses of the Bible. And, and I won't read the whole verse, but there, the aspect that I focused on in this article was the, the phrase that darkness was upon the face of the deep. That's early in the, in the verse. And then uh, later on it says, God says, said, let there be light, and there was light. And then finally God separated the light from the darkness. So it was this aspect of light and dark that I that I focused on. And what I what I observed or what I thought about was the Bible says, like I mentioned in the beginning, and indeed science says there was a T equals zero, that darkness preceded light, and science now has come to the conclusion that darkness preceded the emission of light by about 400 million years, so 400 million years after T equals zero, darkness was, was um, the opaqueness of the universe was clear enough or, or was, was dispersed enough that light could be emitted. So that there was, there was a beginning, darkness preceded light, and then 400 million years after T equals zero, light was emitted from the darkness. And now we see the universe as being, you know, this, whole uh, amazing uh, thing of, of galaxies and stars and light and dark. So that's, that was the first example that I used. Mm-hmm. And the second uh, you mentioned uh, deals with the origins of the human person and, and, and s- cites the following passage from Genesis, which I, which I really think is, is so appropriate. Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. Right. This is a really interesting example for me. Um, we know, science, science tells us, and we know from our education and so forth, that matter consists of elements, and there are over 120 different elements. And all matter in the universe, including ourselves, is formed from these elements. Well, how did the elements come, come to be? The elements came to be... Um, the first three elements were created, the nuclei of these elements were created at, at the time of the Big Bang. So the first three elements, that is, hydrogen, helium, and lithium were created, or, or the atoms were formed uh, within a short time after the, the Big Bang. The remaining elements, however, you, you be, uh, were formed, created, came to be through what we call stellar nucleosynthesis. And that is through the formation and explosion and 
evolution of supernova. So the first three in the very beginning and then all the remaining elements from these explosions of these supernova. So the extrusion of these elements into space was actually um, a huge field of study, but but actually um, were agglomerated into the Earth that we know it and the... the, um, and who we are. And one of the, my favorite quotes is from Lawrence Krauss, who's an astrophysicist, and and this is an amazing thing. He says, every atom in your body came from a star that exploded. Excuse me. And the atoms in your left hand probably came from a different star than your right hand. Mm. You are all stardust. And it's just so... Perfectly uh, an explanation of that Genesis two to seven, which it says, God, "The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground." Absolutely, that we're all stardust. Just amazing to me. It really is, it, and it, it is, as you say, it's a perfect explanation. Right. Right. In your third example, you tackle the commonly held belief that's so prevalent in the Bible: our our being chosen by God. Uh, yeah. how, how do you uh, you know reconcile this common citation of the Bible with the notion of being chosen before the beginning of time? Well, the key verse, and you're right. There's a whole. I mean, that's part of the whole Bible. Is I mean, that's that's a, that's one of the fundamental themes is that we, we were chosen by by God. But what I focused on was Paul's letter to the Ephesians. This was a very specific verse, and what Paul says in that in that verse. One, let's see, chapter 1, verse 4. And this is it. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And the, the thing that I focused on here was this phrase, before the foundation of the world. So what science now says, and scientists agree about this, whether they're believers or non-believers, that the universe, we know that the universe had to develop a long and extremely narrow range of mathematical constants in order for life to emerge. And this is called the anthropic principle or the cosmological principle. One can look, up, look it up on mm-hmm. Wikipedia. It's, it's all there. The anthropic principle or the cosmological principle. And again, the, the that in order for the universe to develop, and in order for us come to be, uh, you know, come to, to exist, the universe had very specific narrow range of constants, and if it had deviated at all from that, we wouldn't be here. And maybe I could just again quote uh, this famous quote from from Frederick Dyson, also a scientist. But this is probably the most familiar scientific quote that is associated, and it goes right back to the chosenness before the foundation of the world. And he said, as we look out into the universe and we identify the many accidents of physics and astronomy that have worked together to our benefit, it almost seems that the universe must, in some sense, have known that we were coming. Ah, it's just just amazing. A little chilling there. It is, really, because... I am just so interested in this topic that I just think about it a lot, and you know, at times it kind of brings me to tears. I just can't believe that that um, this anyway that the universe is so beautiful, and that you know our biblical ancestors who wrote the Bible um, 
And, you know, Paul's letter could have been so, uh, you know, sort of anticipated what we would be finding out now. And there'll be people listening to this and 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 praying about it, no doubt, uh, reading your article, uh, wondering how how in such primitive times uh, they could have been so prescient in their observations. Mm-hmm. To what do you attribute that? How do you, how do you, uh, I'm sure you've thought about it much in your own it, mind. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, I think that's one of the key, the key, um, I guess, conclusions of the article. The article was titled sort of the scientific observations of our biblical ancestors. So, so I think what I would say is that although these writers, and you have to remember the Bible, of course, was written, what, between 600 B.C. and maybe 1400 B.C., that these people who, who are the writers of the Bible were keen observers of their environment. They lived, they observed the natural world, not through telescopes and microscopes and labs and petri dishes, but they watched, they observed, they saw what was happening in the natural world. So, so they were keen observers of the natural world, and second, that they really thought and reflected on it. So they saw and they thought about it. But they were also products of their own culture because they were influenced by the, and were influenced by the cultures around them specifically probably the, the, the Babylonians and the Arabs and the Greeks. So they were influenced by these, by these cultures. So a combination of this. And I just sort of think that they, that they were a product of natural observation, experience of the natural world, influenced by these surrounding cultures, plus the factors of inspiration and revelation. Catholic News from the Archdiocese of Baltimore and around the world with the Catholic Review. The campus of St. Margaret Parish in Bel Air clamored with tentative taps and confident bangs October 22nd as approximately 75 volunteers, green and experienced alike, nailed two by sixes together. I think it's just amazing, said parishioner Betty Hunter, who coordinated the panel build for Habitat for Humanity, Susquehanna, So many times, she said, you have to coerce people to do things, but all these people joyfully volunteered. In less than two hours, the carpenters, many of them parishioners of St. Margaret, assembled all the exterior wall panels for the second floor of a single-family home to be built in Elkton. Hunter acknowledged that for many, the job was fun, as people, she said, love hands-on work. They also loved the longtime parishioner to whom the project was dedicated, Joe Hughes. Joe was just one of those welcoming, easygoing guys who made people feel so welcome in the parish, Hunter said. Learn more about St. Margaret's work in his name and meet the family who will move into the new home at catholicreview.org. Also at catholicreview.org, Pope Francis's visit to Sweden in commemoration of the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation wrapped up last week. The observance included an ecumenical prayer service in Lund, We Christians will be credible witnesses of mercy to the extent that forgiveness, renewal, and reconciliation are daily experienced in our midst, Pope Francis said at the October 31st service, according to Cindy Wooden of Catholic News Service. 
Find these stories and many more at catholicreview.org. From the newsroom of the Catholic Review, this is Eric Zygmunt. Do you want to know more about what's going on in the church and the world than you can get from your daily newspaper or local TV? Read the only publication in the Archdiocese of Baltimore that covers the church full-time, The Catholic Review. Pick up the print magazine monthly at your parish or have The Catholic Review delivered to your home every month. You can get fresh news every day online at catholicreview.org. Subscribe to the Catholic Review e-newsletter for twice-a-week updates. Just text CR Media to 84576. Find our app on Apple and Android. And follow the Catholic Review on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. Wherever your faith takes you, Catholic Review Media is ready to inspire, teach, inform, and engage. Read it today in print and online at catholicreview.org. That's catholicreview.org. You are listening to Catholic Baltimore on Q1370 WQLL. This is Sean Kane, and you're listening to Catholic Baltimore. We are here today with Joan Denton, the author of an article called The Work of Your Fingers, which appeared in America Magazine on July the 22nd. Your article included those three examples. Were there others that you have considered that, that space didn't allow you to include? Yes, and I'll mention three of them. And as a, as a, a very, in the very beginning, I said these sort of have come to me, just I haven't searched for them. So I'm sure there are more out there. I haven't read the, the Bible from start to finish specifically looking for these, but, but there are three others that have sort of come to me over time. And one... One is Exodus 34-7, and this is, this is a part of the Bible which, which is saying that in response to the Hebrews' infidelity to one God during the Exodus, God tells Moses that he will visit the iniquity of the parents upon their children and their children's children to the third and fourth generation. There are other... Uh, verses in the Bible that kind of say that same thing. And this one I have to be really careful about, because this has all kinds of implications. But, but I will say that there is a, in law, um, a growing field in science called epigenetics. And epigenetics is this field which is demonstrating that behavioral and psychological and even physical tendencies are inherited from our ancestors. Research into victims of the Holocaust, uh, hostages, um, victims of war, abuse, that sort of thing, that these things can be passed down through generations. And so science is looking at how that might happen, and that's through this field called epigenetics. We know that the, the genome is sort of the hardwired DNA. But there are molecules and compounds outside of this solid or this structure of DNA which can influence which genes are turned on and turned off. And so this is, this, this is an, again, an emerging field, um, a lot for pharmaceutical research, of how these genes are, can be manipulated and how they can be expressed one way or the other. And this is epigenetics. 
And there, again, are animal and uh, studies from epidemiology which show that that um, tendencies, behavioral tendencies, physical tendencies, how they are passed down from from generation to generation. Anyway, it's a very interesting field, and again, how how this how this transfer of of one generation to the other is, is can happen is what is this field of, of um, epigenetics. Another thing, another verse that I think is a beautiful verse, actually is from the 8th Psalm, and it talks about um, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea and whatever passes through the paths of the seas. This whole thing about paths of the seas, I think, gosh, how did they know about the paths of the seas? Well, of course, this brings up the whole science of oceanography and how all of these ocean currents um, happen. Then the final final verse that I wanted to mention is there is a, a verse in Joshua. He is in the, he's in a battle with the Amorites, and he talks about or it talks about in the Bible that the sun stood still and the moon stopped. Well, to a 20th, 21st century person, you think, well, how in the world can that happen? I mean, that that sounds totally, you know, mythological. And but there is a, a again another field of science in which which scientists are looking at time. And our our Western style of thinking about time is is about a linear thing. You know, you go from one second to the next. You go from equal minutes to the next equal. You have an atomic clock that is extraordinarily sensitive and accurate. But time is also an experiential and a psychological phenomenon. And people will say how time stood still for them at a certain moment. So time is also a relative and experiential phenomenon. And this sort of, to me, looking at this, this idea of the sun standing still and the moon stopped is not is not totally irrational if you look at time as being not specifically strictly linear but also having a psychological experiential aspect mm. so those are the other ones i've sort of thought about joan what is uh, what is it about your work that's so unique I think what's unique about my work is that I'm able to demonstrate or to show more than one example of where where the Bible is very accurate where it comes to a scientific observation. And as I mentioned in the in the beginning of our conversation, I have seen the Big Bang and in the beginning compared, but I haven't seen other aspects of the Bible which also are scientifically accurate. So I think that's one thing. And the other thing I think that's unique about it is because of the whole 400, 500 years ago Galileo controversy, I think it really dissed the, the um, experience and the, the um, quality of the people who actually wrote the Bible, that it diminishes their, their who they were. And uh, who, I just think that that it enhances a reevaluation of who they were and how they came to such a thoughtful sort of conclusions about nature. 
So I guess those are the two things that I think. It's the, it's the focus, it's the number, and it's the sort of um, looking at, at our Hebrew scientists in a, in a different light. Thank Good. you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Sean. Good to talk to you. All right. You. God bless. Thank you. For 143 years, New Cathedral Cemetery has served the needs of the Catholic community of Baltimore and Central Maryland. New Cathedral is the only cemetery owned by the Archdiocese of Baltimore and is the final resting place for many religious orders and famous citizens. 125 acres of rolling hills, trees, and beautiful monuments, the cemetery is an oasis of peace and tranquility and is located off Edmondson Avenue just outside of Catonsville. New Cathedral is dedicated to the task of tending to the mortal remains of our dearly departed and has many more years of available space. If you are in need of a burial site, vault, monument, or marker, or just a respectful location to place your cremated loved ones, our counselors will help you through this process and make sure the wishes of you and your loved ones are honored. Visit us online at newcathedralcemetery.org, like us on Facebook at New Cathedral Cemetery Bonnie Bray, or call 410-566-7770. Life can be hard, and at times we feel overwhelmed and alone. When faced with problems, know that there is a group of Catholics who are part of the prayer ministry of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, waiting to lift you and your needs to God in prayer. This ministry is comprised of men and women, young and old, religious and lay, from every ethnic and cultural background. They pray as individuals and in groups, in homes and meeting spaces throughout Baltimore. Like you, they are people who have suffered the same hurts, fears, pains, sickness, loss, and everyday burdens. Learn more about this ministry by visiting our website at www.archbalt.org. If you are in need of prayer, send your prayer request to prayers at archbalt.org or by phone to 410-547-5517. Would you like to volunteer to be a part of the ministry? Prayer ministers are always needed. Please call or email our coordinator who would be happy to speak with you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Catholic Baltimore. As we prepare for the week ahead, let us do so in prayer together as one community of faith. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let us also ask the blessing and intercession of our Blessed Mother as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. May God bless us and keep us always in his love.